Today we're going to be talking about compassion. Can we say compassion? Okay, okay. Um, so, since we have announced compassion, I'll be doing pointing. I'll be pointing people, you'll just be answering so that we won't waste time. Okay, so, um, um, Pastor Ayobami, what is compassion? Please, let's start for her. <laughs> Please, the mics. After that, just follow it up with, with in what ways have you shown compassion? So you answer the two at once. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, compassion to me is, um, how do I describe compassion? Try. So, compassion is feeling empathy, you know, for someone else. It okay. is that feeling you get when you see someone going through a difficult time and you are with that person through that feeling okay. of whatever the person is going through. That's nice. So, um, if I think of examples of when I have shown compassion, it would be many times um, when you pick up the phone and you call someone that is going through a difficult time, when you think of a need that someone hasn't even expressed, but you know that you're in a position to help and you go ahead and provide help in a compassionate way. Amen. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Please let's clap for her. It's like I shouldn't even read my own my own definition because she has said almost everything that I have to say here. So we'll just move on. We have a space there that says um, Jesus was a remarkably compassionate and approachable person. So we can feel that. We're going to be writing a lot, sorry. We'll just try and write fast. And uh, CMM, you will help to keep it up for a little longer so they can get their space on their outline field. So if you're new to Thrive, we have an outline which you'll be filling and following along. So that if you have questions, you could ask at the end of the service. So we got that. Jesus was a remarkably compassionate and approachable person. Okay, we have John 11, 35. Then Jesus wept. You know, that's, um, they say the shortest verse in the Bible. But I think it's a very powerful verse. It shows that. Jesus was not moving around on earth with wings. He was actually a human being. The things that make us cry made him cry. Some verses before then, I think people were wailing and the sister of Lazarus was also crying. They were calling him, you know, to come and see where they have laid. He said, come and show me where you, you know, where Lazarus was laid. Just in between all the drama, they just said, then Jesus wept. You know, sometimes even when we go out to console people, in the midst of everything, we're consoling, but we're also weeping. You know, and I think that was what happened 
to Jesus here. I would like to read my own um, definition and my outline for compassion. It says, the word compassion comes from two Latin words, suffer and with. Okay, CMM, you can help us. To show compassion means to suffer with someone, to enter into a person's situation and become involved in that person's suffering. Is CMM helping? Okay, are we together? Should I repeat? Okay, the word compassion comes from two Latin words, suffer and with. To show compassion means to suffer with someone, to enter into a person's situation and become involved in that person's suffering. Compassion is not a theoretical attitude, but, not put, sorry, but, B-U-T, a practical involvement. Are we together? Okay. It involves doing. Everybody say doing. Some people are not saying no. Everybody say doing. Okay. Not just thinking or saying. A lot, a lot, I mean, a lot of us are used to just thinking about what the person is going through and doing nothing. So that is not compassion. We'll move on. It says, a compassionate response to suffering requires that one be moved by the suffering of the other. Act to remove the immediate effects of the suffering and respond at length to correct the structures which may have reason giving rise to the suffering itself. So we can see that compassion takes time. It's not something that you just wish away. You have to be with whoever it is that is going through whatever challenge the person is going through to really show that you are compassionate with that person. We'll move on. There are two aspects of compassion which I identified here. It says the heart, which is the emotion, and the hands, which is the action of compassion. I'll take that again. The heart, which is the emotion, all the feelings, and then the hands, which is the action of compassion. Like we see, after Jesus cried, he didn't just stop there. He told them to roll away the stone. He entered into the action part. After the emotion, he entered into action. Praise God. Praise God. So, I move on. It says, compassion means both the emotion experienced when a person is moved by suffering, by the suffering of others, and the act of entering into the suffering of another person with the purpose of relieving it. Some people come into somebody's situation and they make the problem worse. You know, they come like they want to console you and by the time they are leaving you, you are confused. More confused than how you were. So you now need somebody to come and add another compassion on the 
the negative you know, effect of what somebody came to do. Compassion is supposed to relieve. It comes with the purpose of relieving the problem. Okay? The first aspect, the emotion of compassion expresses a desire to relieve a person's suffering. But compassion is more than a desire. We have been saying this. Emotion must lead to action. Emotion must lead to action. You must do something about how you are feeling. That is when compassion is completed. Compassion is an act of will. I believe we are following a lot of compassion, compassion today. By the time we are true, we will be so compassionate by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Compassion is an act of will, a decision to become actively involved in alleviating that person's suffering. So it's a decision, you know, you don't wait for something to fall on you. Say, I, I did not receive anything for this compassion. You actually decide. You know it's going to inconvenience you. It's going to, you know, affect your schedule. But because you want to enter into that person's suffering to bring relief, not to compound their problems, you make a decision to be compassionate to the person. Praise God. All right, we're going to look at um, some types of compassion. The first one, we're going to be looking at practical compassion. Um, we'll be reading Luke 10, 29 to 37. I'll be reading very fast so that we don't um, take too much time. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Are we there? Okay. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. Can we identify with something like this? When you cross over to the other side of the road. <laughs> okay. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the road. Somebody say, on the other side. Mm. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him. The Samaritan suited his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him, bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Somebody say, I'll pay you. Hmm. Okay. Now, which of these three 
would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandit? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Praise God. Wow. I think this is such a practical story and um, um, we face this kind of things every day. We may not maybe have encountered somebody that was beaten by um, armed robbers. Exactly. We may have even encountered them. But this kind of situation where we can see your money is involved, your resources, your time, then extra money, then you have to follow up and make sure that this person actually survives. This is practical. You know, sometimes um, there are situations that God brings our way. You know, we just say, it should be somebody else that should handle this. Me, I even need compassion. I, I, I'm, I'm not the one that should be giving compassion. But I think some days ago, some questions were just coming to my mind, and I was wondering why those questions were coming. So I started writing them down. Um, it says, the paths, the paths, P-A-T-H-S, the paths of Jesus. What am I doing along my paths? Everywhere Jesus went was an event. And he caused things to happen. He influenced things. He's a transformer. You know. So I said, wow. The paths of Jesus. So I actually went, I started looking for the map to see, okay, okay, Jesus went this way, Jesus went this way. And the Spirit of God was mentioning to me that it's not about where Jesus went. Where are you going? Your own path. Where have you been going? And what have you been doing? Have you been encountering people like this and you're crossing the road? And you're wishing them bless you from afar? That was the question. So I started thinking. So if I draw the map of my life, okay, from four years old down, I can't remember if I was a human being, but from five, I think my eyes opened. Okay, my name is Nina, okay. All right, you know. So, I mean, those parts, I've met so many people. For us in the Bible, it's like Jesus' eye opened at 30. Say, oh, I am Jesus. This is what I've come to do. And everywhere Jesus went, something was happening. What is happening in our lives? There are some lessons I wrote down here. I'm sure by the time we um, go through it by ourselves, we'll have more to write. But we'll just go through them because of time. CMM will also be helping us so we can be on the same page. I wrote down the first lesson. Okay, maybe somebody should just give me, okay, no, I'm, you know, I'm pointing people now. Um, one lesson each from this story. Beautiful Victoria. Ah, you say Jesus. Jesus has walked his own answer. 
So what lesson can you um, see from this story? I have seven lessons here. Then who else again? I will call Jesus. Darling Amaka. <laughs> Don't go under the chair. All right. Victoria, please give her a mic. What lesson can you learn from this passage? Yes, the Good Samaritan. You must have learned something. I learned a lot. Oh, yeah. I learned something. Not to walk away from showing compassion. And secondly, not just the feeling, but the feeling of empathy should come with an act of mercy. Please, people should clap for her. Beck. Awesome. Okay. Sweetheart Amaka. Okay. If I don't know your name, I will call her. So don't think she doesn't know my name. But I can see you. All right, go ahead. Um, I would say um, the fact that people have been walking past and um, he actually turned and stopped is something that touched me and um, something that um, I've not been doing in Lagos. So I... <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what struck me and... Um, Amen. Praise God. You have not been doing it in Lagos. So where have you been doing it? In another state. Okay. All right. Praise God. All right. So let me just read you the lessons I wrote here. Number one, I said, unpleasant things may happen to others along the same paths you thread. So stop and help. Okay. It's a lot of writing. So I'm sure you do some shorthand. Number two, sometimes we feel too pious and believe others deserve the bad they encounter. Say, who knows what he did? Let him just stay there. Because those we are, I mean, religious leaders. A lot more is expected of, of them. Number three, overlooking some issues along our path can lead to death. You know, what comes to my mind when um, I, I read this, um, I don't know if you can remember, one of uh, uh, members in the choir that was hit by a car in the night and nobody, you know, helped her. It was just an Okada rider in the night that picked her up and took her to the hospital that night. I think that saved her life. That saved her life. You know, he could have thought, ah, police would say I've killed this one, no, but he allowed compassion to step in. There are some actions we take. I mean, that, that um, Samaritan, he could have said, ah, what if the thieves are still around? But there are some actions we take that God is actually interested in and he ensures our safety. Praise God. Number four, we can allow ourselves to be used by God. That was what the Samaritan did. He allowed himself to be used by God. 
Number five, be involved in the lives you do life with. You know, like I was talking about our paths. We have different paths. Where you have gone to, it's not the same place I've gone to. The people you have seen, it's not the same people I've seen. It says we should be involved in the lives you do life with. Number six, give of your substance and go out of your way. It doesn't have to always be convenient. It may not be convenient at all. We have to learn to put our own needs aside and prefer others even more than ourselves. Number seven, says be an agent of full recovery to someone. Praise God. Praise God. Ah, are we now sober? Praise God. You want to ask, I've not asked a question. You want to answer? Let me ask the question that you will answer. Can you think of any time where you did not act like a good Samaritan? There's a mic. Okay. You wanted to speak. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share where someone showed compassion towards me. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I was involved in an accident. Hold on. Okay. One sec. I was involved in an I was on my way to work. Okay. Um, around 7 a.m. And I got involved in an accident. On, I was on the floor. They tried to, the bike, I was on a bike. I was rushing to work because I was running late. And so the bike tried really hard. The bike tried to wave cars down. Cars will stop, look, and drive past. And it was just a pathetic situation. Finally, a house help whose boss... Um, I traveled, she does daily, she goes to work and comes back. So she was the one who stopped, got a taxi, got me into the taxi and rushed me to the hospital. Wow. And if she hadn't done that, I would have died there. Wow. But and that day, thank God, well, God helped me, saw me through. I, hope I had broken ribs, but God saw me through. I started learning how to walk again wow. and everything. But I made up my mind, I said, I will show compassion. Hmm. So one day, as I was walking along the um, Unilag Road, um, I was doing my master's then, I saw a man who was knocked down by a bike. So typical of Lagosians, they would gather around and nod and shake and say, oh, oh my shoe, you know, and they would pity. But quickly, I rushed down to the guy, dipped my hands into his pocket, brought, down, brought out his wallet, tried to identify him, rushed him to the hospital, Stayed with him for a little while. When he was able to, when he was um, more, when he was conscious, he looked closely at me and he said, "Madam, I know you from somewhere." And I said, "I don't know you. I just saw you along the road." And he said, "Did you go to university of so so so?" I said, "Yes." Were you doing this course? I said, "Yes." Apparently, he's my classmate. He was my classmate when I did my first degree. Wow. So you don't, you just might not tell the person you're helping. The person might just be you know, 
might not even be related to you, but might be a classmate or somebody. Let's just show compassion. You know, he saved that man's life. You know, and then I handed him over to his relative and moved on. You know, but please let's show compassion. I'm a product of compassion. And that man is a product of compassion too. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. So um, she has turned the question around. She showed compassion. So we're going to move on. There wasn't a time when she didn't show compassion. All right. Number two, the second one is compassion and healing. Compassion and healing. Number two. So I'm going to be reading Leviticus 13, 45 to 46. Then Mark 1, 40 to 42. Mark 1, 30 to 34. Okay, I'll go ahead. See, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouths and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So um, this goes for diseases like leprosy and, and the likes. Um, I'll read Mark 1, 40 to 42. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Praise God. I'll read Mark 1, 30 to 34. It says, now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Okay, praise God. Praise God. Wow. We earlier on read about how unclean people should be treated that we can see what Jesus did. The Bible says in verse 41 of Mark, verse 1, says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I don't know how many of us can imagine that. Sometimes even when we want to give them money, you know, we don't want any contact. The way we st- stretch the money, we can even drop it on the floor, you know, so that we can know where the each is coming from. 
cloud. I just think Jesus is so amazing. You know, and he has walked this walk to show us how to walk. It's not, it's not like it's easy or anything. But because Jesus did it, that means there's a way for us to do it. I don't know how this um, leper will feel that somebody is reaching out and touching him. Somebody that has not been touched for years. Somebody that has been isolated for years. Has been discriminated for years. Somebody is touching him and making him feel, you know, making him remember that he's a human being. You know, that is compassion. That is compassion. Sometimes it's not even leprosy. We can't even come near somebody. Ah, see you. That, that her eyes, a bit red. Half, half is red. You know, even what is not there, you start calling it. Say, so I beg, I beg. Carry your polo, they go. You know, I know we joke about it a lot, you know, but there are some serious situations will be and somebody just needs that love. And because of the love you show, that sickness does not have power over you. That sickness does not have power over you. I remember when I, I went to Shiloh, I think that was 2001, I went to stay with my friends think they just got married and they were at, at the camp. Maybe it's because of the, I don't know, maybe millions of people. I don't know who touched me. I now had chicken pox or something. Adults with polka dots all over. Ah, you know, it was really, really horrible. But look at my friends. Two of them, two, maybe because they are doctors, but they are Christians, two doctors. You know, I was busy doing like this. They were, they were so free with me. I said, hey, God, please, let these people not have... You know, they, they embraced me. They made me feel so welcome. They didn't say, ah, please, uh, don't sit here. Yeah? Just stay on this seat. I think you understand. Eh? Uh-huh. Don't touch this plate. Just use this, only this plate. No, they showed me so much love. I started thinking, I said, wow, I hope I can do this, oh God. Somebody with chicken pox all around me. And they were going about their normal lives. You know, I'm sure, I'm just thinking because they are, they are just such wonderful Christians. Such wonderful Christians. So um, they would just be saying, I mean, is it chicken pox that is our, chicken pox cannot be a problem to us. The God we serve is bigger than this now. He will make sure that we don't have this. And I think, praise God, you know, I think we should have that mindset. It doesn't sound easy, but it's possible. It's possible. That somebody that is sick comes in contact with you and gets well. It's possible. That's Jesus' lifestyle. That is how Jesus operates. And that is how he wants us to operate. Praise God. All right, so I have some lessons here. So I'm going to point. 
another person to tell me what lesson they have learned from all of these scriptures that we just read. Okay. Mm, why is everybody bending their head down now? Okay. Young, handsome man with the nice pair of glasses. Yes, you know, who are you looking at? It's you. You're handsome. <laughs> Praise God. Um, good evening. Good evening. Um, I learned that um, I think you, you should not just leave anybody, no matter the circumstances, no matter what diseases or illnesses, or you should always try to show compassion. But I have a question. Okay. What if it's a disease that can be transferred? Yes, it's a disease that can be transferred now. We know. Uh, Leprosy is so, transferable. Uh, so what do you do? You, you still, you, and can, can't you show compassion without contact? and <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can you can show compassion now without touching what we are what we are trying to show here is what jesus did jesus went further you know and if if we are if we are striving to be like jesus those are the things we have to strive to do he's not going to force you jesus is not going to force you to go and touch anybody you have to be moved with compassion we read there, Jesus was moved with compassion. It has to be genuine. It has to be real. You know, it has to be real for it to, to make sense. If you are not convinced, you don't have any compassion in you to touch anybody, don't go and touch. You have to be moved to touch. That's when it's real. And that is what makes the difference. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. It's now question time, oh. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, well, for me, I believe uh, theory is cheap, practical, is where we all have problems. Uh, he did ask a question, can't compassion be shown without contact? We are talking about real life case. I remember during the time of Ebola and the rest. Majority of these diseases, eh, people just go uh, with the crowd, the the opinion of just everybody and layman they have a way they go about things but I remember in Lagos where you are in BRT bus stop you want to, people would be pushing through Ebola, they were distant nobody want to talk, come close to anyone, they were distant and I've never seen such, such before now for me if it's a case of a disease it is quite okay that you study the mix of uh, contaminating or whatever. Because even the HIV AIDS people, once people know that they are HIV, they weigh, we already have this mentality, okay, so nobody what, wants so to So what's die. the question? My question is, can't we just show compassion when it comes to a dear life issue without contact? Okay, I mean... We because all, I am not Jesus, I am limited. Yes, I have my boundaries. Uh, of course, you are a human being, you are not Jesus. You know, I mean, that is how we have been showing our compassion since now. We have been showing it with distance. We want to move further. We want to take it further than just theory. We want to be practical. So it's, it's, it's not a, I mean, nobody's forcing you. It's something that you enter into. I mean, I know there was, uh, I think it was Pastor that mentioned it about someone 
that was treating a contagious disease and his wife did not stop having to exchange how the pastor call it uh-huh, with 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 her husband knowing fully well that that was a means by which she could be infected but she stayed with him through the treatment he got restored and she did not get infected so there are higher levels and if you want to keep being you know doing the compassion from a distance nobody's forcing you but you can move and enter into the compassion that jesus does that when he touches somebody the person cannot remain the same that disease cannot stand there you understand so that's what we are all looking at walking into the paths of jesus let our own paths also be similar to that amen Amen. praise god it's not question time (laughs) oh okay Eh? you come you come on let's move on let's move on to the next thing eh? all right praise god all right um i think i wanted to say lessons now and lesson time has passed Mm, okay praise god so the lessons that we learned from compassion and healing number one i'm going to be fast here jesus was not anxious for his own safety or immunity jesus was not anxious for his own safety or immunity number two jesus was willing to follow to allow them near him jesus was willing for the sick people to come around him jesus was willing to reach out and touch them jesus was moved with compassion Jesus healed them and showed them love. Love, please, not loved. Jesus treated them with dignity and gave them hope. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We read it all the time in the word. We are going to do greater than Jesus. It's always very easy. It's always very easy to is expecting more from us. There's actually a question here, but um, I'm going to move on. Maybe I'll just ask the question. You can answer it. To your neighbor when we close have you ever been rejected alone and isolated stigmatized how did Jesus step in how did Jesus help you I said we must be like Jesus we must be like Jesus I'm going to read uh, a quote from Francis Macnaught one of the leading practitioners of the Christian healing ministry during the charismatic movement in the 70s. Some of us were not born 
when Jesus was moving. Strongly emphasizing the role of compassion in healing. Says Jesus cured not just to prove he was God, but because he was God abounding in love and compassion. Sinners and sick came flocking to him because he reached out to touch every one of them. The lady is saying, I have seen extraordinary things happen when a climate of love was present. Time after time, we find people healed, not only through direct prayer, but simply because of their love for each other. God sings. I want to say God is pleased to walk in a climate of love. Praise God. It's very, very, very important that you carry your climate everywhere you are going. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I had an experience last week. I mean, the climate of that place. I don't know if the, okay, the camera is on my face. Everybody's face already. And I came like this. So I was now looking like something was wrong with me. But I said, no, it's something that is wrong with them, not me. So I carried my climate. I carried my cloud of joy and happiness, you know, and bounced into the place. Everyone, so what is this one coming here for now? She wants to spoil our, our sad show, you know. I mean, I was, I, was, I was bouncing because I said, I cannot allow anybody's strange climate to contaminate me. The joy that I am arriving with, I'm even going back with a greater joy. You know, because some people are going to be smiling by the time I'm leaving here. That face that was down will be bright. You know, and there's somebody in our midst here that was there. You know, I mean, by the time I entered the world, everybody, mm, which drip, this, 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 I was just smiling. I was just smiling. I said, Jesus did more serious things, so these ones are smarty. Smarty. And by the grace of God, you know, not because of any powerful prayer or thunder shaking anything, but just that atmosphere of love that you carry, carries healing. The people that were frowning started smiling. You know, they could laugh. The baby, it was tough for the baby. To make a baby laugh, you should know that you have reached, you have reached the place. This baby refused to laugh. I said, Jesus, touch this child. She must smile. I must see her smile. She must laugh. I was calling her name. I was smiling. She was complaining. My, I'm in pain. I'm there. I said, it is well. It is well. It is well. By the time I was going, everybody was smiling and happy. God is so awesome. And we have to understand who we are. And we have to understand the climate we carry. Don't allow somebody to deflate your balloon. Carry it very well. You know? <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we must stop the discrimination of any sort. Jesus is our example. Okay, there's an activity here. Just tell your neighbor. 
Say, thank you, neighbor, for not discriminating. Fine neighbor, cannot be talking to yourself. You need a neighbor. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for accepting me for who I am. Praise God. Let's just give Jesus praise. Praise God. So I think we are making progress. Ah, it's well. Okay, no more questions. Next, number three, compassion for sinners. I'm going to read John 8, 2 to 11. A woman caught in adultery. Said Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that would, they could use against him. But Jesus took down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Praise God. The word of God is so powerful. Deuteronomy 22, 22 says, If a man is discovered committing adultery, both he, both he, everybody say, both he, both he, he, and the woman must die. In this way, you will purge Israel of evil. Mm-hmm. So where was the man? I'm sure he was among that crowd, holding the first stone. I will just go straight to the lessons. It says sometimes people misquote scriptures to suit their purpose. They left out the parts of where the man has to be stoned. Just when, you know, to trap Jesus and to also kill the lady. But we have a just God. God is a just God. So where is her partner in crime? God sees, he knows the person. Jesus identified with the sinner as he humbled himself to be by her side and her fear and vulnerability. I mean, he could have just distanced himself. But he still stayed there with somebody that they were accusing of adultery. Jesus took the risk of being stoned himself by challenging the mob. This is so practical in our compassion. I mean, Jesus was so real so real 
just thank God for, for his grace on our lives. That we have such a wonderful savior that does not condemn us even when we are falling short. There's still a room, there's still grace and there's still mercy. By the time Jesus asked the lady, where are your accusers? And she could not see them. And Jesus said, since they didn't condemn you, I will not condemn you too. Go and sin no more. Because of his act of love and identifying with, you know, with her struggle, with her challenge, Jesus had every moral right to tell her, go, my sister, don't sin anymore. I mean, her life will be changed. Her life will be changed. There are some ways we, we handle issues. By the time we are through, the person wants to really stay back in the world. Say, if this is how these Christians, they handle matter, make her stay here. They, they, I go, they struggle her out. This was a typical, full-fledged sinner. But Jesus treated her with so much love. She can't go back. She must serve this Jesus. When we encounter sinners, Jesus did not come for the righteous. We'll see that. He came for sinners. Some of us, we are, too, we are holier than Jesus. He came for sinners. He came for sinners. We keep inviting people from other churches. Go and find sinners. Go and find sinners. Sinners. Leave people in other churches. Go and get sinners. People that need to be saved. Not people that will come here and be telling you that people are not doing it how our church is doing it. Praise God. So we're going to move on to um, Jesus Calls Matthew. I'm going to read. After that, we're going to have a short clip. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus is so amazing. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Everybody say sinners. Sinners, okay. But then the Pharisees saw this. They asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Can you imagine? Such scum. When Jesus heard this, I love Jesus, Joe. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. Not all your piousness. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Praise God. Okay, we're going to watch a short clip 
before we move on to our lessons. It's Matthew, the tax collector, collecting for the Romans. <laughs> and no doubt a little for himself. People don't seem to like you. Hmm. Some don't. But others don't seem to mind. Certainly not. Hey, Matthew, how about a little more wine? You've had plenty. Come, Lord. Do not associate with him. People will talk. You must. Wait a minute. You're that new prophet everyone's talking about, aren't you? <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. Don't touch him. What's it to you? Maybe he wouldn't mind. <laughs> I know who you are. I saw how you healed that man. What you said about forgiveness of sins, I... I believe you are sent of God. Then follow me. <laughs> Matthew, follow a holy man? <laughs> They're right, Rabbi. I haven't been... Uh, I am not a good man. I didn't ask if you were. Come, Matthew. Follow me. Jesus saw Matthew at his sin station but did not despise him. If it's um, maybe the club or something, Jesus saw Matthew there and did not despise him. Number two, Jesus saw the apostle in him, not the tax collector. Number three, Jesus qualifies the called. Number four, sometimes we think we qualify for a position. That mere thought disqualifies us before God. Number five, Matthew connected with the vision of how Jesus sees him and followed. Number six. Jesus has come to call sinners, not the righteous. Praise God. Praise God. 
this Matthew story is just so amazing. So Jesus can call anybody. He can use anybody. It's not because you're qualified or you think you should be called. Even in your weakness, in that thing that you think is what is holding you back, Jesus wants to use you. I think sometimes we, we, may not, we, are, we may not be tax collectors or any of those things, but we have so, like what um, we learned on Sunday, we cannot just see this thing that God is calling us, that you're a mighty man of valor. You can't just see it. Say, does Jesus really know who I am? How can he be telling me to follow him? I have good news for you. Jesus knows where you are. He knows where you are committing that sin. He knows that person that you have been cheating. He knows where you have been going to that he has been telling you not to go. He still wants to use you. You can see he was telling Matthew. He said it's not because I didn't say you are good or anything. Just follow me. By the time you follow Jesus... Those things cannot follow you to the place that you're following Jesus to. Jesus is full of compassion. We should stop condemning ourselves. Jesus is calling us. Let's make that step. Let's, let's follow him. Let's follow him. Let's follow him. He loves us. He cares. He knows what we are going through. He knows how tough things are. Jesus even wept. Some of us have not wept in a long time. Jesus wept. He's human. He feels things. But he brings solution. He brings solution. That is what Jesus comes with. And he wants, wants us to walk in that path. There's so much that he has put in us that we don't know, we don't understand. He wants us to enter into that path. Every day we meet people, every day we see different people, we have so much in us to change situations. Jesus was a transform. he was changing things. He will have compassion, but the compassion is not just feeling 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 he will make a change god is calling us to make a change make a change everywhere you go that's your trail that's your path that person you are meeting make a change there's a lady that does some external work for me she's much older than me you know but she keeps saying that ah, that i'm always challenging her. i say what did i do what did i do she said no that I make her to go and think about decisions that she makes because I'm always putting Jesus first. Jesus first. What will Jesus do? 
what will Jesus do? Some of us, we are so scared of men that we forget that they are just mere men. What will Jesus do? So that should be what should lead us. We see how Jesus lived. I mean, Jesus' schedule was so occupied. He's coming down from the mount. He's healing. He's doing this. He's going to Peter's mother-in-law. He's, he's doing so many things. Some of us are too busy, but we have left Jesus somewhere. In our busyness, we should be making impact, changing lives, infusing a love atmosphere that flows with power everywhere you go. You are powerful, you are powerful. Don't just look at your pretty face and think it's all just powder. You are powerful with Jesus inside you. And that is what makes the difference. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, so, hmm, no questions? <laughs> ah, brethren. Okay, okay. So, let's know how many questions we have. There's somebody over here, please. Do we have any more questions or just one? Okay, two. Ah, you're having questions. You should have answer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I think I have to start the question with a short story so that I would know how to land where. Okay. Um, those days in medical you just, school. You just have 30 seconds. Yes, I agree. Those days in medical school, we had a supervisor that was always involved in, um, she's a pathologist, um, forensic pathologist, always involved in um, uh, helping soldiers, policemen that have been hurt, gunshots and all of that. So on this occasion, there was a man that had an issue. He was shot by armed robbers and was rushed to the hospital. Since she was a specialist in that area, she had to mobilize all of us and all of us went there. But on the road and the policeman stopped and she gave the policeman and said, this particular case is urgent. I have to rush down and take care of this person. But the policeman actually said uh, they have to search and all those things. She showed the ID card and everything to identify her, but it all went um, away. She had to run from the car because they seized the car. She had to run from where the car was, rush to the hospital. But before going there, the person had died. And after the person died, she came back. The policeman left her car on the road, left the car. The car key was inside, and she, she was angry. Unfortunately, a day after, the policeman had his own son shot by arm robbers and was brought to the hospital. Believe you me, it took about 100 people to beg the woman to take out the bullet. And she said that she wants him to experience the death of a loved one that he also made uh, the other family experience. Now, and, and my question now is, is there actually any point that we should close the gates of compassion towards anybody? That's my question. Mm? Is there actually any point in life, mm -hmm. I want to be very sincere here, is there any point in life that we should close the gate of compassion towards someone or a set of persons. Uh, uh, because we know we are, we, are, we are aware of abuse of particular things like that. Thank you. Okay, praise God. Um, if you are living by God's standards, you know, I, I don't know if the lady is a Christian. I don't know. But if you are living by 
God's standards. God has never told us to shut the gate of compassion. He's the one that has that power. He says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. That is the word of God. If you want another word, it's not the word of God. That will be your own word. But the word of God says, vengeance is mine. He didn't say how, you know, he didn't say how hard the situation may be. I mean, it's, it's so tough. It's very tough to lose a loved one, you know. But no man has that power. It's only God. But some people take it into their hands. That means you have left the will of God. You are doing your own will now. If you're a child of God, and you listen to the word of God, you walk by his precepts, there's no shutting of gates of compassion. Sometimes you're showing compassion, you are crying, it's painful, but you are showing it. Because you know what you have gone through, and because of Jesus, you have to do it. You know, there was a video clip that was going round. You know, you, you, maybe you should ask your question before I go into that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, it's more a comment than a question. Thank just you. To God say bless that. you, darling. <laughs> just to say, regarding healing and compassion, I remember um, it would have been within the past maybe six weeks that pastor was ministering, and he was talking about, he was doing God Would Do It Again videos, and he was talking about people that want the gift of healing. And he mentioned you need compassion. Hmm. And it is so true because, I mean, how would God flow through you mm. to heal people when you don't really care about the people going through what they're going through? Mm. You know, so it's one more thing for, to take into consideration that if you really want God to use you to your best, you know, of potential. Mm. And I think healing is one of those mm. that compassion is something that we must learn. It's not easy. There are many reasons not to be compassionate mm. when you live in Lagos and police can catch you for being good. But... It should be, there should be something, some more compelling reason. Mm. And that's, you know, being the best you can be for Jesus. Mm. So thank you for that. It's a learning point. Mm. And then the second thing about um, actively looking for sinners and bringing to, to church. Or actively doing life with people that haven't found Christ yet. Mm. Um, I think, again, it's a very important thing for us to do. I think some of us judge ourselves first. Therefore, we're hard on other people. So that it starts from loving yourself, then it's easier to love other people. You can't give what you don't have. And once you start by loving yourself and stop, you know, accepting the mercy and the grace of Jesus, that he really truly loves me, you know, despite what I've done in my past, then you can pass that love on to other people and not be so judgmental. You know, sometimes we're just so judgmental as, as Christians, and that, that's not Christ. You know, so love yourselves and you'll be able to love, love others. Praise God. Thank you very much for that. Um, we have been called to a higher life. Whether we like it or not, we have been called to a higher life. We can't leave the people that say, I beg, leave church first, make a hand with this matter. We have passed that level. We, we are called to a higher life. The illustration I was trying to um, bring up, there was a video that was going round. I mean, I think, to me, that was the um, birthday gift God gave me on my birthday. 
you know, it was about a lady that had to forgive somebody that killed her husband right in front of her. And I mean, the person left her for dead. And I think she had to be in the hospital for months. It's quite a story, you know. But the bottom line is that she managed to recover and the person that killed her husband and left her for dead was in the prison where she was doing some prison ministry. She had to attend to the person. At the end of the day, she had to adopt the person as her son. And the person would be living in her house. She has cars, her head, everything. Her husband is dead because of that person. And she accepted that person to be her son. I say, ha, that is, that is, you know, that is the Jesus kind of love. If we remember the, the passion of the Christ, for everything Jesus went through, he was still evangelizing on the cross. And he had the power, he had the power to just speak to the ground, swallow them. Swallow them and let me be in heaven. He had the power to do everything. But he humbled himself. He stayed on that cross. And he was doing evangelism. He promised salvation to somebody. He was not angry with the thief that was abusing him. He could have just, you know, just did like this. And the person's mouth would just be like this. He had so much power. Then who are we? Who are we that we cannot forgive? You know, you matched me two weeks ago. Now you are matching me now. That thing that you did, you think I for- I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. If somebody matches you, you should say thank you. Your leg is not broken. There are more important things. I mean, if we watch that clip, we saw how Jesus, in the midst of all that rowdiness, drinking and all that, he was focused on Matthew. He was focused on Matthew. The lady came with her. He was focused on Matthew. Another thing, I think sometimes Jesus is even afraid to send us to go and bring sinners so that the sinners will not draw us inside. If you are going to bring sinners, you have to know where you stand. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you are saying. You have to know the power that you have. Jesus had so much power. That woman manifesting in that place, I mean, he can just do like this. She will sleep the whole month. You know, so when Jesus is sending us out, there's so much responsibility is placing on us. Some of us, they cannot separate us now. We are so glued to the world like this. People are not sure again. I'll be there, he born again. I'll be no born. I'll be born. You know? We are not sure. We are called to a higher and a better life. They want to be like us. We have to show them the way. Show them the way. Be bold. Eh? Somebody is bold smoking. You should be bold shouting Jesus. And when you shout Jesus, the cigar will fall. 
They are bold in sin. We should be bold in righteousness. We should confront them in love. Praise God. All right. No more questions. Ah, uh-uh. <laughs> ah. You, you raise your hand before. That will be for the next preacher, next tribe. Hmm? Did, you, did you raise your hand before? No. Okay. That will be for the next preacher. All right. All right. Okay. So um, let's just thank God. Let's thank God for all that we've heard. Let's give him all the glory. So we're going to repeat after me the commit. It says, Father, I pray for a true and genuine, a heart of true, a heart of true and genuine compassion. For a heart of true and genuine compassion towards those along the paths of life. Okay, let's read it together. One, two, go. Father, I pray for a heart of true and genuine compassion towards those along the path of life you have set before me. As you have continued to show me compassion, I will live life pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name. Let's just make that short prayer to the Lord. Father, we will live for you. With a heart of true compassion. Lord, we will glorify you in everything that we do. I don't know if there's anybody here you know that you need this Jesus you know that you need this compassionate Jesus in your heart and you know that you have to make a commitment to him so that your life can change for the better so that the peace that passes all understanding can flood your heart and mind I don't know if you're here and you want to make that commitment to Jesus You don't need to come out. The ushers are standing right by your side. You can raise your hands and they'll put a paper in your hand and we could pray together. Is there anybody here? You want to give your life to Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Father, we thank you because you're full of mercy, you're full of compassion. Even in unfaithfulness, Lord, you remain faithful. Lord, we say glorify yourself. Glorify yourself in our lives. For we are praying in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.